0: There's nothing in a caterpillar that says it's going to be a butterfly. My saying to you is there may be nothing in your life right now that says that you have victory. There may be nothing in your life that says that you have healing. There may be nothing in your life that says that you have prosperity. There may be nothing in your life that says that what you believe the word says about you. There may be nothing that is going on that says that you're going to have the victory that God promised. But just like the butterfly, there is nothing in the caterpillar that says the same thing. It's what you're going to believe. And let me just say this. Do you know the caterpillar doesn't struggle or worry about becoming a butterfly? And the caterpillar does not have to make it happen my struggle in faith has been in my past is that I've always tried to make it happen. And it's just a big struggle. When we rely upon what God has done for us and when we take the Word and believe what it says about us, we realize it's not my struggle. It's not my fight. I've had more victory by believing and saying, confessing this God defeated this for me. For example, let's say uh, you're getting flu-like symptoms. Your temperature's rising, you're feeling ill. Uh, I truly believe this, you know, you don't wait till you have 108 temperature and then start trying to attack that thing. When you start feeling yucky, that's when you need to say and believe and confess what the Word says, and that is, Jesus defeated this thing for me. I used to say to people, you can defeat that. You can beat that. That's wrong. They don't have to defeat it, and they don't have to beat it. Jesus already did. And so if we get in the fight with the devil of trying to say, okay, I'm going to fight you. I'm going I'm to really wrestle for this. Usually, you lose every time. But if I say, I don't have to fight you for this. Jesus did this for me. And you were whipped. You were beaten. Two thousand years ago you know when we got born again it's kind of like the picture of that caterpillar turning into a butterfly at that point we were made superior to the devil did you hear that when you got born again at that point in time from that day on you were made you don't have to become you were made superior to the devil man that's good news because a lot of times we put the devil kind of like on our level. No. He's, you're superior, far superior from him. And so you need to believe that about yourself. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You could say it like this, the things that are not seen are more powerful than the things that are seen. More powerful. More powerful. We, we started last week talking about Jonah, and in Matthew chapter 12, they were seeking a sign, and, and Jesus told them, the only sign that's going to be given is the sign of Jonah. As he was three days and three nights uh, in the belly of the fish, I'm going to be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. And so we pick up the story here in Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. The point there is God's going to hear you whether you believe that he's hearing you or not. If he can hear Jonah in the belly of a fish, he can hear you in Pueblo, Colorado. Verse 3 says, For thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas. The floods compassed me about, and thy billows and thy waves passed over me. And I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God? When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto thee, thy holy into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have avowed. Salvation is the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land the living paraphrase translation of verse 7 says when I had lost all hope I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple Jonah's darkest hour I mean when he went down to the bottom of the depths of the mountains of the sea there he was his darkest hour he cried out to God and he says this in verse 8 that uh they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And we said this last week that a, a lying vanity is anything that exalts itself against God's word. And if it is, it is a reality. How many know it was a reality he was in the belly of that fish? It was a reality the seaweed was wrapped around it. It was a reality that he felt the pressure as he went down to the bottom of the sea and he felt all of that. That was a reality. The thing is, you do not have to accept the reality if it's exalting itself against what God's Word says about you. There is a higher reality, and there are realities that you and I can resist and not accept. You say, well, that is just plum weird. I think it's plum weird that Jonah was inside that fish, and he sit there and he cries out to God, and he says, I'm going to look again to the Holy Temple. What would be the odds for you to see the Holy Temple if you're inside of a fish in the sea going to the bottom of the dip? And there's gastric juices that are dissolving your body. And you can't see your hand in front of your face. And now you've smelled vomit before, but now you are the vomit. I don't know about you, but that's really more than just a bad day. That's more, uh, and how many know of the reality of smelling and feeling all that? That is a strong reality, and he says, I believe this is a lying vanity. Somebody would have said, Jonah, you need to go and lie down on a couch, a psychologist, and pay them $225 an hour and let them tell you really how you feel. A lying vanity is a version of reality that we don't have to accept. When it comes to faith, it says that it's things that you don't see. There have been times in my life that when things come upon me, I I would quote the word and speak the word and quote the word and speak the word. But after about five or ten minutes, sometimes even a half hour, I go, okay, it's not working. It's just not working for me. And so... I know that I, I've read many books about faith, you know, and I went to Raymond where Brother Hagen, he, they say that, you know, he's like uh, uh, the father of faith. And, but if you read his story, if you read Andrew Walmack's story, Smith Wigglesworth, all these great men, uh, powerful men of faith, there is a common thread that I found out and discovered, even though I, I didn't even see this or realize this even when I was going to Bible school in 1987. And that is this there was a tenacity and a believing when they first started. Brother Hagen was bedridden and he sat in his bed for hours and hours looking at Mark eleven twenty three, whatsoever you shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe in your heart, it shall you shall have whatsoever you say. Andrew Womack, I heard his story where um, he was preaching on healing and he had a head cold and he, he would have to stop in the middle of the sermon and, and blow his nose and keep preaching about healing. Most people would look at him and go, Well, uh, he, something, what, he's preaching on healing and pretty much he's got a cold there. So, But he, they kept being persistent. Andrew said he got the flu one time so bad that he couldn't even get out of bed but he rolled himself out of bed and on all fours he, every joint in his body hurt with so much pain he couldn't stand up so he said he crawled on all, all fours with his Bible open and pushing the Bible with his nose and kept saying by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed I believe I'm the healed of the Lord he said I did that for eight hours crawling on the floor on all fours for eight hours and he said, at the end of the eight hours, he said, oh, my fever left, my, the pain left every joint, and I got up and walked, and I was totally, totally didn't have one symptom of the flu. Amen. What is my point? My point is this. It seems like when you are just learning about this, you're going, you know what the fight of faith is? It really is believing It's not you struggling trying to get faith. It's believing what Jesus said in his word. 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were, past tense, healed. And so there there comes a time when you just have to get rid of these doubts. Why did it take, you know, Kenneth Hagin days, weeks to get through that? Because you're shaking the doubts out. Andrew Womack, eight hours. Why did it take eight hours? I do know this. After I read those testimonies of those people, it seemed like when they got attacked again with sickness, it didn't take very much time at that time. And it's like if you weren't here last week, I told the testimony when I broke my foot and uh, when I was coming down uh, or trying to come down a hill and uh, my foot was broken and swelled up and uh, it took time like a 24 hour period of time where I I was walking on that thing but it took about 24 hours or so to where that pain totally left but constantly believing god constantly believing god we give up on god too soon I'm reminded of the story of Chuck Yeager that broke the sound barrier I love aircraft and I like reading about history things like that and Chuck Yeager they were trying to break the sound barrier and they did not know what would happen if a plane went faster than the speed of sound they thought the plane could disintegrate they thought the plane could explode nobody ever done it so nobody knew what was going to happen. Breaking the sound barrier at sea level, you got to go at least about 720, 720 miles an hour, something around in there, and then you are traveling at the speed of sound. And so they kept coming up against that barrier. It's like a barrier, and the time that they would do it, Chuck Yeager said that that plane would just begin to shake and rattle and roll, and, and I don't know if Hollywood made this a little bit bigger than what it was, but the glass gauges, would, they cracked and everything, but he said the plane was like out of control. And so people would back off because they thought they was man. It's going to just explode. And one day Chuck Yeager went up, and he says, "I'm going to do this or die trying." And so sure enough, when he started all of the shaking, all of the rolling and the losing and everything, he just pushed the throttle all the way to the firewall, and boom, he broke through. And he gave us his testimony. He says, "Once I broke through the sound barrier," he said, "the plane was calm." And he said it was like sipping lemonade on the front porch. I liken that into faith and believing what God's word says about you. There comes a time when you come up against that barrier and the barrier is doubt. And the shaking and the rattling is you getting rid of all of the doubts. The rattling and rolling going back and forth. that God wants you to get rid of all of the doubt and truly believe what his word says about you. It is a choice. When sickness comes against you, when poverty comes against you, when problems come against you, we do have a choice. In Deuteronomy, he says, I've set before you blessing and cursing, death and life. You get to choose. And usually, I choose healing as soon as it's, the, the symptoms come upon me. But after a few minutes... I, I, I don't choose healing anymore because I think well, it's not working. So now, I do choose healing. Five minutes, 50 minutes, five days. Yes. Whatever it takes, I choose healing. Amen. I want everybody to know, in, in Romans chapter 8 verse 1, it says, Therefore there is now con- no condemnation if you take medication and for your problem or whatever and, you th- and you, every time you take it you, you feel condemned you know what you should do? every time you take medication you should believe I believe I'm the healed of the Lord and this medication is. Not, I'm not going to have any side effects but I am healed and there will be no how many of you know that, have you ever read the side effects? you probably shouldn't but I mean medication has side effects <laughs> you, even aspirin has a side effect you know that? But have you ever seen those commercials on TV that just scare the snot out of you? They're advertising some drug, and they say a paragraph about that long in about 10 seconds, you know? Uh, if you take this medication, you're going to have shortness of breath. And if you're not careful, they even say, and could cause death. And, they give, and you're what, wait, wait, did he say could death? He could cause death? I don't know. So all medication has side, effect, side effects, but the Bible says that the word of God is health, and it's medicine, to all of your flesh Amen. with no side effects. No side effects. I said no side effects. And so I know that in, in my walk with God and that the more that I have uh, the word in me, I was preaching in, in Africa. We, they had Sunday morning and Sunday night and Sunday morning I wasn't feeling good and Sunday during the midday, Man, I mean, I felt like I was just going to be throwing up Jonah all over the place. I just kept having my stomach was rolling, and it was just terrible and terrible. And the thought came to me. It says, well, I can get Dad to preach for me. I don't have to preach. And I go, no. I'm going to preach, and not only am I going to preach, I'm going to preach on healing tonight. And I thought this. I thought, if I have to... You know, there was a side door on each side of the pulpit. You know, they don't have microphones or anything. I thought, if worse comes to worse, you know what? I'll just shoot out there, throw up on the ground, come back, and I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to preach healing. <laughs> and everybody's going to go, where is he going? I'm going to come back in, wipe it off, and keep going. You have to get that determined that the, God's word is true. And this is the problem. In the midst of the, the worst, the darkest hour, we have to be like Jonah. Jonah sits there, and when the fish is taking him to the depths of the mountains of the sea, he says, I'm going to look again to the holy temple. I will see it again. That is faith speaking. He believed that. When we are really struggling financially, when you are really struggling and you're receiving healing, that is the time to keep speaking the word. And then he goes on, he says, I'll give thanksgiving to you, O God. What do you do? You thank God for healing you when you've got 105 temperature. You thank God for prospering you when the tow truck is getting hooked up to your car to repossess it. Are you hearing me? You have to believe God's word. And it just really ticks the devil off when you keep standing and speaking like that. The Bible says that Jonah... God caused the fish to throw him up on the, the shore. Now, the people of Nineveh served the fish god. If you study history, that was the main god that they served. There was 120,000 people that didn't know their left hand from their right hand. In other words, the Bible says they're basically children. So, most theologians agree that there's close to 600,000 people living in Nineveh. 600,000 people. There must have been some really, really prominent people that saw Jonah get thrown up on the shore. Now listen to me. They believe in the fish God. We got a picture of, of it. We can throw it up. The fish God. So the fish God was half man and half fish. That's what they believe. Now listen. All 600,000 people believed in this. And now they see this fish throw up, throw up a human being. I think God got their attention. Now, they believe in the fish God, and all of a sudden, this guy comes out of the fish, and he's saying that he knows the real God. They're going to listen to him. and matter of fact, everybody from the king to the least servant in that nation of Nineveh, all 600,000 people repented and believed in God. 600,000 people. I think God knows what he's doing. You know, if you stop and think about it, if just some pre- if Jonah walked off the ship and started preaching to those people, do you think he would have had their attention? If he got off a ship and he was dry and everybody, and, he got, and they would say, you know, we've had preachers like you before here. You might as well just get back on that ship. God didn't cause Jonah to rebel. God didn't cause Jonah to do what he did. Yet, God knew what Jonah was going to do. And he says, I can work this out for the kingdom of God, for the betterment. Because you look at Jonah's attitude before he got swallowed, it stunk to high heaven. How many know it stunk even after the whole fact? When God didn't destroy the city Jonah goes on to say, I knew you were merciful and kind, and I knew you wouldn't destroy these people. That nabbed, down, yeah, I'm just mad or not. And he was upset because, you know, they, they all repented. You know, Jonah was thinking, I wanted them all to go to hell. I'm serious. That's what he wanted. He wanted all 600,000. Do not pass gold. Do not collect $200. Go straight to hell because they were the enemy of the children of Israel. So he didn't want them. So his attitude stunk even after the fact. My point is, God still used him. You know, most people think, you know, I just don't know if God can use me. Really? Just read Jonah. Read Jonah. If God can use Jonah, God can use anybody. I mean, he wanted people to go to hell, 600,000 to be exact. He didn't care. His attitude stunk. But God used him. And God used him in such a way that the whole nation was saved. 600,000. You know, there's a lot of controversy. Our nation is being divided today. I mean bad. You know, and I've, I've been emotionally uh, on both sides. You know, the NFL, you know, this one's taking a knee and everything. And, and on, on both sides, you know, think, well, I understand what they're saying. And I understand what they're saying. And I looked at this, and I looked at this, and I felt like there is a no-win situation. I don't see how this, you know, and I'm getting all emotional. And finally I got quiet and the Lord says, you know, you could get uh, instead of using all of your energy and emotions on this, you could use your faith. And so this is what I believe God wants us to do as a church. Romans eight twenty eight. The King James Version says that God, you're probably familiar with that scripture, it says God causes all things to work out together for our good. The Passion Translation says this, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives, how many details? Every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing, what? Good into our lives, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. So I just felt like the Lord spoke to me this week, and he said this, he said If I can cause good to come out of Jonah, being rebellious, being swallowed by a fish, and causing that terrible thing to cause a whole nation to turn to me, I can cause what's going on in your nation, what's being divided, I can turn that around for my good and cause millions of people to come to me. You say, well, I don't believe that. And that's why it's people are, when people say, you know, God is only as big, God is God, nobody can change him, but God is only going to work from what you believe about him. That's right. When people say, I don't believe God heals, that's absolutely true for them. When people say, God doesn't meet all of our need and cause me to prosper, that's absolutely true for him, for them. But it does not mean that's what God is. It's just when you put God in your box, that's what God will be in your box. But when you break the boundaries off of that box, God will do exactly what his word said he will do if that's what you believe. Hallelujah. So I believe that God can turn this thing around in our divisive nation. Listen, if you're waiting on the government to legislate people to do right, (laughs) you can't legislate people to do right. You can't, let, you can't wait. You know, people say, well, I hope the NFL does what's right. You, are you gonna, so what we're saying is we're going to rely upon man, wicked men who don't know their left hand from their right hand. You're going to uh, believe that they're going to do what's right. I think we should be putting our trust and our faith in God. Amen. We should be believing. I said, you know what, devil? This will tick him off when the church rises up. It's not, well, I guess this is the way the world's going. God is saying, I've given man power. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Who has the power? It's the church, but the church is not using that power that's been given to them by God. We're expecting God to come down again and do something. He's not. He's not. He's not even going to do anything about this division of our nation, and so the church needs to believe. So you believe Romans 8, 28 and say, Man, I'll tell you what, God. I tell you what, devil, this is what you're trying to divide our nation. But just like the children of Israel, that nation was blessed by God. You remember the prophet Balaam tried to go out and curse Israel? Balaam stood over the mountain. The king, the wicked king, said, I want you to curse this nation. So he stood on the cliff and looked over the whole valley. It was filled with the children of Israel. And he says, Now curse this nation. And so he says, All right. And he paid him a lot of money, filled up the wagons full of money. He says, Now curse them. So he gets up and he starts speaking. And the blessing of God comes out of him and blessing and blessing and prosperity. There's a king, there's a shout of a king. They're victorious and the king goes, hey, hey, hey. I said, curse them. And he says, what God has blessed, no man can curse. What is my point? I believe this nation's blessed by God. I believe it's blessed by God. I don't care what anybody stands up and says, this is happening, this happened. happening. God is wanting the church to stand upon the word, that which was meant for evil, and we can turn this around by believing what God's word says. So you believe Romans 8, 28 about our nation. If we're going to wait on, listen, you cannot legislate morality or legislate men to do good this is my point, you know, Uh, abortion, I don't know what your beliefs are, but I believe the Bible speaks specifically that we're against it, because God knew you in the womb, and God is the one who's the creator, and this is not going to be a message about abortion, but this is my point, you can legislate and say, okay, no more abortions, that does not mean there's not going to be any more abortions, I think, this is my opinion, Everybody understand that? My opinion is, instead of trying to make laws to make men to do right, which is legalism, which we know, according to the Old Testament, legalism never works. You can't make good, you can't tell, now listen, you better do this, and you better do this, and you better not do this, and don't, whatever you do, don't sin. Just don't sin. If you're a Christian, just don't sin. Well, let's just see how far that will go. I can time you, honey. I mean, it'll be minutes. So what's your point? My point is, let's just believe in the grace and the love of God to transform people instead of trying to make them become obedient to some kind of discipline in their behavior. You understand? Man, I butchered that really good. My point is this. If you get somebody transformed to the love of God and they love God, They're going to want to do right. But if I say, now listen, I'm going to give you a list of rules to do. Now you do those rules. You think they're going to, which one's going to empower them more? I'll tell you what's going to empower them is for them to realize they went from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Are you hearing me? What's going to empower them more? Instead of saying, now listen, butterflies just fly. You you better quit crawling around on some twig. You just need to quit doing that. Instead of just holding up a mirror to them and say, this is what you are. You're a butterfly. Now quit acting like a caterpillar because this is who you really are. That would cause people to live more for God than any legalistic thing coming from the pulpit. You should not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. That's called law. Grace sits there and says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are, you are, you are, you are. You have, you have, you have, you have. Not going to, but you have. The Old Testament was, you should, you should, you should. And thou shalt, and thou shalt. Which one's going to empower you more? You, what you, we need to tell people who they are in Christ. Christ. To set them free, to let them know that they are the butterfly, that they are born to fly. You'll be set free from that, and we'll set people free. But I'm here to tell you that in the darkest hour, getting back to the message, the darkest hour of Jonah, he said something, and he believed something. In your darkest hour, that is not the time to give up. That's the time to speak the word of God. Find one scripture. Do you know that Peter walked on the water with one word from Jesus? I used to think, man, I just got to get more word and more word, and that's good. But I do know this. Peter walked on the water with one word from Jesus. Peter sits there in the boat in the storm. He says, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. Jesus didn't go. You know what? This is a deity trick. You can't do that. Now, if you were like me, you know, if you were God, you could do that. What did, what did Jesus say? One word, come. One word from Jesus called Peter. This come, everybody knocks Peter because he, he began to sink. He walked on water for, with one word. Yes. He walked on one water. Jesus said, come, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm, and he started walking on water with one word. We have a whole Bible full of scriptures. Man, you can get one word from God, just one word from God, and it will cause your situation to be exactly the reality that God wants it to be. The reality that God wants you and me to have, he doesn't want this nation divided, but we can choose. We get to choose. He doesn't want you to walk in sickness, but we can choose. He doesn't want you to walk in poverty, but you can choose. And I believe, just like Chuck Yeager, it may be shaking and rallying and it may look like all hell's breaking loose. But you just need to keep hanging on to the Word of God and just say, I know what's going on right now. What's going on right now is the doubts getting shaken out of my life. That's what's going on. All of the doubt that's in me is just getting shaken out. But when the dust settles, when the dust settles, I'm going to be standing in victory. I'm going to have... that what God says I have I have healing I have prosperity I have victory I have a great marriage oh I have great relationships I have a great job I have everything's great in my life it's blessed it's blessed and what God has blessed no man no demon in hell can curse you say well I don't believe that and that's why it's not working (laughs) I don't believe in healing that's why it's not working People say, faith stuff doesn't work. Oh, yeah, it works. If you believe it doesn't work, guess what? It doesn't work because it's what you believe. Ah. It does work. But this is what we do. I found out that I give up on it too quick and too easy. If you don't get your healing in the first 30 minutes, you go, okay, it doesn't work. If you don't get your healing in the first week, uh, it doesn't work. We say, well, Pastor, how long do I have to keep standing? I just know one thing your doubts need to shake off, and I would rather believe a week or a month or a year than to die. So, does that answer your question? Brother Hagan, I don't know how long, I don't remember how long it took him, but you know, he was bedridden. That's pretty rough. But I think rougher is being in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights with no escape and no, how how am I gonna get out of this mess? Jonah didn't have to see. Well, you know what, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna gonna find this guy's little, that thing that hangs down and tickle it and see if he'll throw it. No, he didn't try to (laughs) have to figure out anything. He didn't have to try to figure it out. How is God gonna bring prosperity to you? How are your finances gonna change? I don't have to figure that out how is God going to make my marriage work I don't have to figure out that how is God going to change our nation I don't have to figure that out I just need to believe and stand on the word of God that's mine and your responsibility is to believe the word of God and believe it today you believe it Monday and you believe it Tuesday and you believe it Wednesday and Thursday of next year of the next 10 years you keep believing it his word is true He said, let every man be a liar, but God's word is true. What his words was sent forth, it shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. Just like the rain, it comes down, it waters, it evaporates and goes back into the clouds, and it keeps doing. It doesn't just keep going up and down. It ministers to the earth as far as bringing forth causes everything to grow. The word of God is the same way. When you receive it and you meditate on it, and think about it, and think about it, and think about it. Last night I went to bed. You know, we were in the mountains this week. I went to bed, and man, my voice box just, and I was going to bed. I go, (laughs) the last, listen to me, the last thought that I had when I fell off to sleep, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm the healed of the Lord. I I just kept thinking, I'm the healed of the Lord, I'm the healed of the Lord, I'm the healed of the Lord, I'm the healed of the Lord. As far as I know, when I went to sleep, my voice was exactly the, the same. I wasn't even talking, I was just thinking that. I couldn't talk much, so I thought, that's okay, you can't stop me from thinking. So I thought, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to get healed. I'm not trying to get something that I already have. I'm not trying to be blessed because I am blessed. You know, that's a lot easier than trying to get it. I used to try to get healing. I used to try to get finances. Now I think, why try when you got it? Why try when you got it? You have to believe the word. It'll change your life. It will change your life. And I'm telling you, we need to start speaking that to the city of Pueblo. You need to tell people the good news, that God's not against them, that He's for them, that He loves them. And you need to tell them, listen, uh, you don't have to say, well, you know, my skin color is this, and I'm saying, you know what your skin color is? It's the color of Jesus. That's what it is, honey. And He has caused you, Paul said, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. I triumph. I triumph. Don't let somebody say, well, your, your skin color is this. You can't do anything. I'm a child of God and I'm blessed I'm sorry you're a little late on the news <laughs> you're a little late you need to say that to the mirror you need to hold the word up to God and say this is me right here I'm just that butterfly I am not a caterpillar I'm the righteousness of God I'm the healed of the Lord I've been made the head and not the tail I'm above only and not beneath and you need to believe it but you can't just do it for five minutes honey Ah, you, when you wake up in the morning, if you're battling something, have that word written on the refrigerator, have it on your sun visor. Man, I put stuff on my sun visor. I'm a sun visor guy. When I I mean, it's overcast and cloudy, I put my sun visor down. You know, I just do that. And so when I want something to say in my mind, I just put down. I go, whoa, yeah, hey, yeah. I say what the word says about me. When I'm I haven't battling a, a symptoms in my body, that's when you get the word out. And speak it, and speak it, and speak it. if you can't speak it, then you just meditate and think about it. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Oh, I am so blessed. Oh, I am, I'm ridiculously blessed. Oh, oh I'm so blessed. It's a, you, I need tissue. I am so blessed. And that's when they're hooking up to your car to repossess it. You just need to laugh at them and go, I'm getting a better one. I just want you to know, you can take this because I'm getting a better one. I'm so blessed. I'm getting a better one. They can kick you out of the house. I'm getting a bigger one. Just take this one. It's not big enough. I'm getting a bigger one. (laughs) You say, I just don't believe that. And that's why it's not going to happen to you. But you're not like that. Because you wouldn't be at this church. (laughs) I believe God sends people to this church that want to hear this. Faith comes by. And hearing the word of God. So I believe that this church could be a catalyst to change the nation. You say, that sounds so arrogant. That's God. Some guy from Kentucky can't change that. But some God who we serve, who we know, can change that. 120 people gathered in the upper room, started the church and changed the world. 120 people. 120 people. Eleven people there was twelve disciples, but one you know he checked out, but eleven disciples, God left the whole package deal to eleven disciples, one doubted him, one would just soon cut your ear off. I mean th- those are the type of guys that God <laughs> left and says, the kingdom 's going to be your responsibility now you 're empowered, all right, and uh, you know you look at that if you 're a CEO of some company and that 's your staff you'd go, Oh my goodness, help <laughs> that 's your staff, and you 're leaving. And your staff, you know, they doubt you, they lie, they cuss and do stu- all this. And God says, yeah, that's my group. And man, they're in blessed. I'm inside of them. I'm out of here. I'm leaving for good. What, do you understand how great God is? Pueblo is blessed. Our nation is blessed. Let's start believing that. Amen. Let's speak that. You're going to speak Romans eight twenty eight over our nation? That God is causing everything evil, that devil meant for evil in this nation. God is just going to turn this around for good. Not only for the United States, but for Pueblo. I don't care what they legislate in Pueblo. I don't care. We're going to transform people's lives. They can legislate prostitution. They can legislate. I don't care. Every wicked thing, they can say it's legal to do this. It's legal to do that. It's legal to do. But guess what? If everybody's saved in Pueblo, it doesn't really matter what they legislate. "Hey, It's legal to take heroin. If everybody's saved, all the heroin dealers are going to have to leave because they can't sell it here. That's right. That's right. Nobody's buying it. That's right. Let's stand. That's called the gospel, the good news. God has empowered us and we need to speak it. Amen. There is nothing in a caterpillar that says it's going to be a butterfly. There may be nothing that's going on in our nation that says it's a victorious nation we can bring it down to where you live there may be nothing in your marriage nothing in your job situation nothing in your health nothing in your checkbook that says that you're blessed, that you're prosperous that says that you have victory there may be nothing that says that but there is something it's called the word of God and it does say that about you the word of God says that you're blessed says that you've been made the head and not the tail It says that you're blessed coming and going. It says that you're healed and prosperous. It says that you're loved by God. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. It says that you're righteousness of God. But you have to meditate upon these things. So you you can break through the sound barrier. And shake off all of the doubts. And it'll be like sipping lemonade on the front porch. It's an easy thing. It's an easy thing. Just start Meditating upon the Word, man. Write it down. Every day, 11 o'clock, my alarm, if I'm with you, you're going to hear my alarm go off. And it's going to say, I look at it, it says, you're righteous, Mike. I'm righteous. Why is that important? Because a righteous man has everything that God says just because God made him righteous. All the blessings of God are yes and amen to Mike Davis. Why? Because Mike's righteous. Didn't have to work for it. Didn't have to be good enough for it. I was made that way. How did I get made that way? By being born again. By believing in Jesus.